Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. I'll be pulling uh, random horror story titles. And then improvising the stories as I go. Submit story titles, you can send them to quarantine spook show at gmail.com. Got a cool little goat toy full of delightful screams. begin. Alright, this first story is called Space Age Magician. Can you hear the, uh, the real goats right now? Okay. I think I'm imagining goat screams I now. I think you are imagining goat screams. That's, that's happening. I will go check. It's yeah, yeah. Desire. No, 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 no. You don't have you know to. You know what? I'm going to do it. All right. Go look. Okay. The dishwasher's going. Could be that. It sounded like it was from outside. Age magician. Jimmy Mitchell prided himself 
being a space age, space age magician. A huge inspiration on him was Nikolai Tesla for the way he would hype up remote controlled electricity at Madison Square Garden. The way Tesla just did an automated boat and then promoted it as a magic show. But really, the magic was science. wasn't quite as brilliant as uh, Nikolai Tesla. In fact, I'd say he was one click below Bill Nye the Science Guy. But his old gimmick was just like, you know, to just, uh, talk about space and do little physics experiments in front of kids and audiences. An educational magic show, and that's how he promoted it to bookers. Yeah, he had some hype at first, you know. You know, he did some shows at uh, OMSI and uh, MIT as well for a kid's show. But in recent years, uh, his shows started to slump. the global uh, tumultuous turmoil. People don't quite have room in their psychs for uh, giddy fun uh, educational magic shows. Now Jimmy refused to believe it. Believe it. He just thought no. There will always be a place for gimmicky educational magic shows. done some shows at elementary schools, and often his shows would end in uh, applause. But still, money was getting tight. Those pesky taxes were bearing down on him. Jimmy would uh, find himself in frequent financial crises, just paying his bills just from the skin of his teeth. He tried to pizzazz the show a little bit, uh, focusing on little science-y physics tricks. Uh, outside of uh, 
space knowledge and whatnot. Starting to get a little bit more speculative. Uh, something he was morally against, but he needed the cash. He wanted to follow life where he could uh, follow his true voice and his passion. Pay his bills doing what he loved, doing fun, gimmicky uh, entertainment shows, illuminating children's minds with science and the world outside themselves, while also blowing their minds at the same time. Still, we had to make some uh, compromises to a standard of entertainment in order to get shows. Started to include information about uh, aliens and alien landings and UFO sightings and whatnot. string of shows he played uh that ufo footage that uh that blink 182 guy was that brought to a public eye and he's just like oh no it could be ufo who knows he would also reference the uh the roswell ufo crash uh but everyone knows it's just like a weird uh united states surveillance soviet thing so when he brought it to kids, he was just like, oh no, aliens. He even had a little Roswell puppet, you know, we would do back and forth with. Using the puppet as a vessel for uh, teaching science to. And at a lot of shows, uh, Jimmy had trouble convincing people that, yeah, gimmicky science was cool. So he didn't just need the puppet for the uh, context for his show to uh, draw in an audience. He also needed it for his own psych. He needed a little Roswell puppet friend to convince him that he was worth listening to. And that his science-y magic tricks were cool, man. Jimmy's darker moments when he had to stay at a seedy hotel, or motel rather. He'd have his little Roswell alien puppet. And Jimmy was just like, oh, geez, Roswell, do you think I did okay? And then he'd do the little Roswell voice and be like, oh, yeah, Jimmy, you did great. You're fantastic. Everything you do, uh, people love gimmicky science, especially the way you do it. Bill Nye doesn't hold a candle to you. Oh, thanks, Roswell. I don't know, that Bill and I, though, maybe I can just stem my career from just stating the obvious about climate change. And then 
Roswell was just like, oh, you don't gotta do that, Jimmy. You just gotta follow your heart and then everything will work out. And then Jimmy was just like, oh, thanks, Roswell. Eventually, he was doing uh, some strings of shows that were uh, doing okay financially. He was uh, managed to keep his living at a good, solid wash, you know. speculative things uh, to his shows. Things that may have been taken ser more seriously during a time, but maybe not so much anymore. Uh, one thing he'd include in his act was uh, military experiments about mind control. And other little tidbits about hypnotism and the potential therapeutic potential for it. Roswell would just like chat about these things and the kids were moderately entertained but then after one show in Delaware a social studies teacher went up to him and he was just like hey man what do you really know about hypnotism like, yeah, no, I, I, I know a fair amount of hypnotism, you know, I bestow it to the kids and all that, and I have I obviously I know a thing or two about it. And the social studies teacher was just like, okay, well, uh, you know, the thing about hypnotism is just like, uh, anyone who believed in, uh, alien crash landings or UFOs or whatever, they usually end up believing it because, uh, after they get hypnotized and then they think they have memories of encountering aliens or being abducted. That's how most of those abduction stories start off, man. And Jimmy was just like, oh, okay, uh, I didn't quite know that. And the social studies teacher was just like, oh, yeah, you can put in your show or whatever. I don't know, I just thought I'd tell you. About his act, thinking about his life. And he was conversing with Roswell. And Roswell was just like, oh, Jimmy, what's wrong? And then Jimmy was just like, well, Roswell, you know, just, I don't know, when I started, I, you know, when I started this thing, uh, I wanted to teach kids science in a really fun, cool way, something that they'll remember, or at least light enough of a spark. Uh, to cultivate an interest in science, uh, 
in their adulthood. There's ultimately an interest in science that's dying in this country. And then Roswell's just like, yeah, no shit. And then Jimmy said, well, I've, I guess I've, I'm trying to work with my moral compromises about my standard of entertainment, you know. I want to be happy to do these little tricks about uh, aliens and speculative stuff, and I guess uh, I wanted to feel right with me. And then Roswell said, well, well, why doesn't it feel right? Jimmy said, well, you know, I don't really believe in a lot of it. A lot of it's legitimacy, you know. My act's starting to, like, etch into pseudoscience, you know. And speculative science, at the very least, at best. And then Roswell said, well, if you're just hypnotized, you know, then you'll be cool with it, right? If you can believe in it, then you can be happy doing it. Jimmy said, well, I, su I suppose so. And then Roswell said, well, hey, how about how about I hypnotize you? And Jimmy was just like, what do you mean you hypnotize me? And then Roswell was just like, yeah, I'll hypnotize you and it'll be cool and you can believe in aliens and stuff, you know, it'll be fun. Jimmy was still aware enough to know that he was talking to a puppet. A derivative of himself, really. But he was a bit disturbed about how far this conversation went. But since his life was ultimately in the shitter and he didn't have any other way to entertain himself or to occupy his boredom or his mind, he rolled with it. It was just like, all right, Roswell, well, if you want to try a little hypnotist thing, you know, you can do that. And Roswell was just like, great, all right, here's what we do. First, you uh, sit in front of the mirror, and then Jimmy was just like, oh, like this? sat on the edge of the bed in front of the mirror in his bedroom. And then Roswell was just like, yeah, just like that, that's perfect. And then Roswell said, alright, now drag your bag over too. Jimmy complied, and he brought his uh, bag full of, uh, Sciencey magic props. He was a bit concerned uh, of where Roswell was going with this. 
he had flashbacks of uh, when he was first started when he first started performing. Uh, a lot of entertainers labeled labeled him as a prop comic and shunned him from many entertainment circles. But that was a different time, and he was relieved that he lived during a time when, uh, when people were a bit more enthusiastic about prop comedy. Roswell went in and started to dig through the bag. And then he brought out this really large spin dial. It was essentially a large wheel with a set of spirals on it. It was able to spin on its own if you pushed it hard enough. And then Jimmy thought about it and he's just like, alright, I don't... I don't remember getting this prop. And then Roswell was just like, alright Jimmy, we're gonna do a fun little hypnotism experiment. To Jimmy felt like that he was doing some sort of bit for kids. It was like him and Roswell were doing an own little their own little show in the mirror. And it truly made Jimmy depressed. And then Roswell's just like, alright, Jimmy, just spin the real wheel, here we go. Wee! And then Jimmy was just like, alright. spun the wheel and stared at it in the mirror while Roswell holded it. And then Roswell kept saying over and over, go to sleep, go to sleep. And to Jimmy's surprise, he started to get a little bit more drowsy. He could barely keep his eyes open. how long he was asleep for. But when he woke up, he had a distinct beard. That was a bit whiter than you remembered. And he couldn't feel his left hand. that he always uh, controlled Roswell with.
sitting in a wheelchair. And he saw Roswell in his hand uh, just move around and make very uh, grand, uh, sophisticated uh, hand gestures uh, for a puppet. Sound like he was in an argument. He was yelling, and but he was his voice was coming out of Jimmy's mouth. And Jimmy's lips were moving without really controlling them. creatures. Nothing that Jimmy's ever seen on Earth before. It seemed like they were holding guns, but they seemed more sophisticated than guns. Not quite laser guns, but certainly weapons that can make an impact on an enemy. And Jimmy was sitting at a round uh, steel table. talking to several men in suits on the other side of that table. They were talking to several world leaders who had the capacity for nuclear weaponry, except the United States because they weren't invited. Roswell was shouting at them, and they were shouting back at Roswell. What appeared to be aliens were armored and uh, in a very stiff posture, ready to strike if something went too wrong. So Jimmy slowly started to open his eyes more, and he was just like, oh, what's going on? Roswell turned back at him and was just like, shit, he's awake. Roswell got close to him and was like, Alright, Jimmy, this is very important. You gotta go back to sleep for a little while longer. I'll describe, I'll just, I'll explain everything, but you just gotta fucking cool it and chill. And then Jimmy was just like, Wait, no, no, what's going on? And then Roswell said to him quietly, Like, Jimmy, man, the stakes couldn't be fucking higher. You need to just, like, go back to sleep, take a nap, just coast. Tell you about it later. One of the world leaders just like said, Oh, he's waking up, he's waking up. You should take him back with us then. And Roswell's just like, No, no, he's part of, uh, you know, he's with us. Come on. I'm the main being here. He's just like the vessel, you know. Jimmy was just like, Roswell, what the hell's going on? And then Roswell was just like, alright, dude, my name's not Roswell, it's Lorb Lorb. Uh, pretty much, you know, when you were a kid, you were abducted by aliens. Uh, we planted a life form that was me into your brain that remained dormant through teenage years and adult years. 
and didn't start to become active until you manifested me as a puppet. So over time, I became the dominant life form for this body, and uh, started to bring my alien species over, and now we're at War of the Earth. We're trying to settle things. There's been a lot of damage for both of our planets. It's been a real bitch of a war, but I'm just gonna need you to just cool it and wait till we finish up these negotiations. Okay, because none of us want to fight anymore. And Jimmy was just like, no, no, I, I can't do this. Jimmy tried to get up, but his legs were at atrophied pretty bad. And then Roswell was just like, Jimmy, relax. Alright. And Jimmy was just like, no, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Jimmy undid the brake on his wheelchair and started to roll backwards. Eventually, Jimmy fell out of his chair, and then Roswell was trying to scream, like, Alright, don't listen to this guy. Alright, we got, we're doing negotiations. The World Earth leaders uh, stood up. They were yelling. The surrounding aliens were gun with guns were pointing at them. Other human military officers were pointing back. There's a lot of rage and aggression in the room. Everyone was shouting. And then Rostos was like, hey guys, cool it, just cool it, relax. Roswell, I don't know what's happening. And then Roswell's just like, dude, you gotta just chill out, you know? You really fucked this thing up, you know? We were so close to signing a ceasefire, but we, you just... You blew it, Jimmy. And then Jimmy was just like, I just wanted to do children's entertainment, you know? That's all I wanted. the uh, world leaders stormed out with their military officers. No negotiations were met. And then Roswell's just like, oh, Jimmy, I can't believe you fucked thing things up. You said you just wanted to be a children's entertainer? Well, think of it this way. Think of me as your main act children being the planet Earth. Alright. Jimmy saw a window that, uh, apparently they're on a space station, and Jimmy could see Earth from the window. He's never seen the planet off the, off the Earth before. Jimmy remembered that the way he first started to get into, uh, the first way he became a space-age magician is that he always wanted to go to space. And doing little physics tricks and magic tricks were his way of getting closer to the cosmos. 
end up getting there in a way he didn't expect. And thanks to him, the war raged on. This next story is called Dangerous Telepathic Forces. Started off small when he tested out his dangerous telepathic forces. First, he would just uh, try to make a make a pencil move on a desk. Just a simple number two pencil, and turning it on one of its flat edges. To do that uh, one side over. Eventually, he tried to make it roll a complete 360 degrees. sit on his back porch the wind would move the tree branches and he'd sit there and hold up his hand and extend his fingers 
try to get the branches to shake. Sometimes he felt like he did, but he wasn't sure if it was him or the wind. several years, uh, by the time he was 20, he felt like he truly figured out what his powers were about. He realized that he had the power to move things by 90 degrees. That he knew he was drinking a glass of water he'd rotate the glass of water 90 degrees and knock it over from a distance no one could ever know that it was by Brandon's hand Brandon could open doors, depending on the doorknob. He'd rotate the doorknob 90 degrees, and then afterwards be able to give it a little nudge, and then the door would open. much of a purpose for him, but uh, sometimes if he was going to open a door and head somewhere, he would just give it a little jimmy with his uh, tele telepathic powers and then the uh, door would open on its own, so he just had to push on it instead of actually doing the work to turn the doorknob with his hand and then open the door. It wasn't much, but he felt truly gifted. as powerful as a Great Lake Avenger. was 20, he was on his bike, biking through the city, and then a car comes and cuts him off. Maybe the guy in the car was in a rush, or maybe the guy was an asshole, but 
pissed off Brandon. He was almost in a serious accident for it. Could have killed him. saw the, the guy was spilling coffee. So Brandon was just like, oh, I'll show him. So on his bike, Brandon extended his hand and extended his fingers. And then did a little twist motion to make the coffee rotate 90 degrees so it would spill. Being very inconvenient for the driver. up happening was instead of the coffee you know, Brandon accidentally rotated the steering wheel 90 degrees causing the driver to steal, steer off the road and crashing into a bank several ribs and had a concussion. Brandon felt awful about it. At first he thought he had just like a gimmicky little power that he could do minor conveniences or inconveniences with, uh, depending on his whim. careful he could perform serious destruction with it Brandon used his powers less since then opening doors on his own not spilling drinks uh, out of spite to live a semi-normal life, as normal as it could be. to see what else he could do with his telepathic capabilities. Testing him out in all the ways that he could. Tried to change around his diet, uh, eat more protein and B vitamins, more leafy greens. his power. 
change it in some way, besides rotating things just 90 degrees. But nothing availed. With his 90 degree abilities, he just tried to seek other people who would like him out. magazines and websites. He'd travel all throughout the East Coast to find people similar to him. But to him, uh, they all seem like frauds. one meeting when a everyone there claimed to have some sort of supernatural power mostly people thought that uh they could speak to ghosts and whatnot but the brandon that came off as very phony scoffed it off and walked outside. Then another guy from the group meeting saw him and followed him out real quick. And he had a cup of orange juice with him because that's what the group was offering. like, oh, hey, man, wait up. And then uh, Brandon was just like, yeah? And the guy holding his orange shoes and wearing a top hat was just like, I don't know, kind of, seemed kind of dopey in there, right? And then Brandon was just like, yeah, I guess so. So what's your what's your deal? What can you do? Brandon was uh reserved. Not sure if he should tell him or not. He's told people in the past about his abilities. Never really got any much news coverage. It's not like any government officials broke down his uh, door to figure out his powers or anything. So he just shrugged and he said, I can, uh, I can telepathically rotate things uh, by 90 degrees. And then the guy was just like, oh really? Uh, I mean, hey man, that's pretty cool. Can you get any show me real quick? inside and then uh, whisked his hand in the way he always did. And then the stranger's orange juice fell out of his hand. Whoa, shit, that's crazy. And then Brandon was just like, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, it's alright. It's not bad. It's getting more refined. I can't really do more than 90 degrees. And the 
stranger was like, hey man, that's more than anyone else can do. So, uh, what's your, what's your thing? What can you do? And then the guy was just like, well, it's, uh, I don't know, I can, uh, I can pull a rabbit out of a hat. like yeah I mean I I could but then we'd I'd just have like another rabbit and uh that's kind of the thing about it it's just like once a rabbit appears then I just have a rabbit now and I don't always know what to do with them you know so it's just like a bunch of wild rabbits wherever I go you know and then Brandon was just like no okay I understand but the stranger could see that Brandon's face was slowly melting into disappointment stranger shrugged and then he took off his top hat, reached in and pulled out a cute little white rabbit. And then Brandon was just like, whoa, that's amazing. What's your name? And then the stranger said, oh, it's Lyle. And then Brandon was just like, well, Lyle, that's fucking awesome. Lyle was just like, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, pulling out of a rabbit out of a head, hat, you know. It's not much, though. And then Brandon was just like, well, it's more than anyone else can do. I mean, you know, I'm just kind of moving things 90 degrees, but you're creating life, you know? That's amazing. you know, uh, so listen, I usually, um, give the rabbits away or whatever, but, uh, if you want the rabbit, you can have it, you know. And then Brandon was just like, yeah, okay, I'll take the rabbit. And Lyle's just like, cool, cool, hey, uh, let's, let's hang out sometime. And then Brandon was just like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. rabbit named Mr. Whiskers. Then we got to a small house. Uh, outside his house. And 
didn't make himself known. Didn't know what to do about this guy. The guy just stomped around and eventually just like left a note on the door and then left. So Brandon and Mr. Mr. Whiskers go to the door. And then Brandon reads the note. Rossoff is just like, hey man, I know it was you that spilled uh, that uh, spilled my coffee and turned my steering wheel. My sister went to that group meeting you went to today and then saw your little uh, ability uh, outside of the building. I know you're the dude on your bike in traffic with, and I know what you did. see you around, it's gonna get nasty. Not safe. Doom, death, etc. Sign off, Steve. So Brandon was just like, oh, maybe I don't think Steve's his real name. I already, already signed his name as Steve. That's a death threat on my door. And who leaves notes on doors anymore? You know, wouldn't it be like through like a Facebook message or something. Anyway, Brandon was paranoid. He wasn't sure if the guy was still around, so... Brandon just, uh, you know, just, uh, kept his rabbit in, like, a little box in his room. in his room. guy that cut him off in traffic, that crashed in that bank, and that staked outside his house. He was doing an obscene act. He was squeezing the rabbit really tight. Brandon couldn't see what was happening. 
But then he knew when the guy dropped the rabbit on the floor. When the rabbit was bleeding. He'd been strangled. Something else horrific. Brandon was mortified. He didn't know how to take this at all, other than the grief and pain that comes with loss. Even for a creature he barely knew. And considering where the creature came from, he knew that the rabbit was pure magic, because there wasn't enough in the world. Now Brandon, stupefied, just looked up at the guy. He's panting and sweating, balding, has a really greasy co-mover. He's just like, alright, there. Now we're even. were absent. Couldn't verbalize or visualize anything. He could only act on instinct. So without thinking, he uh, flicked his wrist, and the guy's neck snapped 90 degrees. And he fell to the ground. Brandon got down on one knee and then picked up the rabbit and held him. Wishing things went differently. Eventually people came to pick up the guy's body. There were no charges against Brandon because no one was able to prove that Brandon was able to twist the guy's neck 90 degrees using physical force. silly, but every time he realized the true destruction they were capable of, and after that night it was quite some time since he used them again. This next story is called Nuts and Nutlets.
knew where the baggie of acorns came from. Whenever you see a random gathering of acorns, people would usually think, oh, maybe squirrels gathered them, some other animal or rodent or who knows, even a human. were in a Ziploc baggie, and it raised more questions than answers. For instance, why were these acorns assembled? Who made the effort to tightly seal these baggies? Tightly seal the baggie. purpose of having these acorns in all one place. Now Archie didn't have these answers, but decided to take the baggie anyway. He didn't know what to do with the acorns. Maybe he'd feed them the squirrels or something. Archie spent his afternoon was, uh, he went to a nice secluded bench in the park, by the pond where a bunch of ducks gathered, and he had some pieces of bread with him where he fed the ducks. Now, he, th he thought duck feeding was its own, uh, esoteric activity. Some of the ducks were reasonably skeptical. Skeptical. Like, why is this human giving us bread? Is this good bread? What's wrong with this bread? And other ducks were just like, fuck it, I'll take some bread. Whatever. So Archie was sitting with his letterman jacket, just... Enjoying feeding ducks. But he didn't know what to do with the acorns, so... As he was thinking about it, he could hear a scream. It was a scream from an older man, really tearing at his vocal cords as he bellowed out. Archie saw an old man in a fedora running around back and, fo back and forth 
grabbing his head, grabbing his gray hair. Really freaking out, saying, oh, no, 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 no. My offering, my offering. He was just like, hey, have you seen anyone uh, take a, uh, a, have you seen a bag, a Ziploc bag of acorns around? And then Archie was just like, oh yeah, right here. The old man looked at a bag and looked at Archie. And the old man was just like, alright, you, you can keep them, you can keep them. She said, oh, I don't mind giving them back unless there's a reason you don't want them. The old man said, well, you see that Ziploc baggie there is cursed. I don't know where the curse came from. A curse of the forest, who knows? Whatever human touches that baggie last, last is uh, destined to do the bidding of the forest and the creatures within it. One of those tasks is to leave the baggie out for some acorns for squirrels. Squirrels take the acorns and then you take the baggie and then you go on your merry way. No questions asked. There are many tasks that come with the Ziploc baggie and they'll come to you when they're ready, but you have to be ready for them. She was just like, oh, whatever, man. I, but I, might, I might just, like, toss these acorns. I don't know. Just dump them out or something. And the old man said, oh, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to tamper with the forces of the forest. So how are you? I'll put that bag back where you found it and then take the baggie with you the next day. And Archie just kind of shrugged, you know, dismissing the old man at this point. Dismissing him as crazy or something like that. Delirious. It was the old man that was actually relieved. direction in the park, started to leave, and he muttered to himself, I'm free, I'm free. So Archie started to relax a bit. Started to kick his feet up on the uh, arm. He tossed last of his bread to the ducks. They started to doze off a little bit. This 
sun was starting to set a little bit by the time he fell asleep. of a tree and all these little critters were standing around him an owl some squirrels some possums quail and other little birds even some insects all above him and around him Awesome critter. Uh, stared down at Archie with a toothy grin. And he said, You. You defiled the offering, and now you must be punished. Archie had a hunch that he was dreaming, so he tried to look around for some sort of escape or tried to wake up. said your sentencing is to become one with the forest and then all the critters uh, clapped and chanted and howled made these really obscene scre obscene screaming noises that weren't akin to each individual creature freaking out. He's just like, no, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And then he woke up. He was still on the park bench, and the moon was high above him. But he couldn't move at all. It seemed like he was sedated somehow, but he, he didn't know. But he couldn't move his body. He could barely feel it. feel little scratching sensations all throughout his body. His eyes were fully open, and in the light of the full moon, he could see his body and what was happening to it. He was able to lift up his neck, his head, to see what was happening. All these little rodents, all these rats, squirrels, and possums were picking at his flesh, ripping off little pieces of it and eating it. Apparently they started at his legs. All the skin's clothes were torn open. Almost all the skin on his legs were gone. Picked apart like a half-eaten apple. 
bones, muscle, tissue, and viscera were showing. And they were picking off pieces of that too. Some rats were also going for his arms as well. His jacket was open and his shirt was torn. And they were going after his torso. Ripping off and cutting off pieces of flesh and skin. And nibbling on it like it was a tasty snack. tried to scream, but he couldn't. His voice was stifled somehow. He didn't know what he was sedated with, but he couldn't, he could barely move at all. And all the pain of him being physically ripped apart piece by piece was filtered with the sedative as only a just a slight pricking sensation all throughout his body. It was a similar, it was a less intense prickling sensation like a, after your leg falls asleep. There wasn't really any pain ascribed to it, just the tiniest hints of sensation. He tried to scream again, but only his mouth was just hanging open. of him being steadily devoured all throughout the night. And by morning, all that was left was his clothes, his letterman jacket, and his bones. While the Ziploc baggie uh, floated in the wind, landed in the grass in the park, waiting for the next person to pick it up. Well, that was Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. 